Welcome to the roundtable for June of 2014. It's three DMs chatting about their games and helping each other out. And that's your intro. Sam, you're up. 15 minutes on the clock. Go. <laughs> you bastard. You would put me first. <laughs> you want to be surprised. <laughs> this all counts. This all counts for us this time. Oh, yeah. My, I, the, yeah, the I, whatever. Started. That's okay. I don't need a lot of time. I um, So I started my – I can't see. This is the problem is I – I'll take I, his time. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't remember what we talked about last time because I don't. I think you either just released that episode or it's not released yet. Well, I haven't so. released it yet. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't listened we, to we it. We talked about so. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Oh, there's a shocker that probably came That's, up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, we talked about fate. I talked about fate anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So here's my thing. Uh, so I started my my second edition evil campaign, and um, we had we've had one session and then we had some scheduling conflicts so we we played a filler game instead for the, the last couple of sessions um but for the one for the one 2e game that we had um they uh, they figured out that they're working for a slave dealer and remember they're all evil so that that's theoretically okay with their PCs um and then they their task right now is to go and and find the uh, the sainted leader, the sainted paladin leader of this uh, this one particular enclave that is opposing the the current regime. Uh, and on the way there, they uh, they met some creatures and fought them, and then they met some other creatures and parlayed, and then they uh, tried to camp and they got attacked by poisonous spiders, and I killed a PC. Um, and I, I think I, I actually talked about time. that. Yeah. So that's that's still the same. We haven't had another session. So what we had in between was a couple of sessions of Deadlands Reloaded, which is uh, which is a Savage Worlds based uh, game. So Savage Worlds is a system, and Deadlands Reloaded is basically like the Wild West, but with zombies and uh, a strange power source called Ghost Rock. And um, it's a pretty uh, wild and wooly system. It's it's very fast and and it runs fast and loose and. And uh, of course, you know I don't know what it is with these players. They just they have to be bastards or something. I, I'm not sure, but they you know that this they strong armed their way into this woman's house because they were investigating something, and then uh, they followed her out to her backyard where she has this amazing garden that is is you know like two foot by two foot or two yards by two yards, and yet it's producing enough food to to feed the entire town however all the towns around it are, are all the uh, people are starving and so they were investigating that and the woman felt threatened because they forced their way in and then they followed her right to her backyard and they were interrogating her and they weren't you know they they were trying to pass themselves off as marshals but they weren't really the law you know so they she had no reason to believe that they weren't going to hurt her so she pulled out a whistle and she was going to blow a whistle to to try to get someone to help her and basically the player <laughs> has his PC pull out his he's, – he's like a quick draw expert. So he pulls out both of his guns and he shoots her so many times in rapid succession that it basically shoots her arm off so that she can't blow her whistle. 
So this is what happens with my what, players. Wouldn't it have been easier just to shoot the whistle out of her hand or something? Uh, then he would have just <laughs> shot her in the face, I think. <laughs> so uh, it was a pretty interesting scene. Uh, and then, of course, they had to hightail it out of town. Uh, and they had his, with them at one of their companions was uh, this preacher. And it uh, turns out he's a philanderer. And the way that he's trying to convert everyone is by going around and, and trying to spread his seed uh, in, in as many towns as possible. And they sort of figured that out. And then it's like, oh, great. Should we stick around with this guy or do it? You know, and then they go shoot her arm off. So turns out, you know, I guess it's sort of a match made in heaven. They've all three of them are just the most worthless people in the world. The evil campaign really has seeped into your other game. It's, it has. So after that game got done, I uh, I went and I I found a little. Uh, wanted poster creator online and I create I created some wanted posters for them <laughs> because now they're just wanted wherever they go. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty cool game. I, it's the first time I've ever run it. I've had it on my shelf for a long time mm-hmm. and I never got to run it. And so now I've run it and uh it's it's really fun. Um we had we actually had an old west style duel at high noon and uh, and the the player won, but then they had to once again hightail it out of town and it's a pretty it's a fun game. I I'm I, I'm not uh, I think the Gamers Haven podcast guys have talked about it uh, in the past yeah. and mm-hmm. have an actual play. Uh, if people are interested in checking that out, look for Gamers Haven yeah. for Deadlands. Yeah, they absolutely do. In fact, I looked that up before I ran it because I thought I was going to get some time to to listen to it because I've I've read the rules. I mean, the rules are very simple, um, but I I hadn't really studied them extensively, so I thought I was going to have time to listen to some actual mm-hmm. plays, and then I ended up not having time, so that didn't quite work out. But you're right; I did see the Gamers Haven stuff. Um, but back to the back to the D and D thing, real quick. Um, just because I, I'm not going to take too much time, but the the thing that I'm finding almost more interesting than anything else as I'm trying to plan this game is it's very different for me because normally um, I run games where the you know the players are like they're the white knights, right? They're the white hat heroes, and they're fighting evil and what have you. And when they come across a, a creature that, that they suspect or that they know is of a lawful or lawful good alignment, they're more likely to parlay with that creature and make a deal or at least treat it with some respect or, or whatnot. And I f- I'm having to use some of those creatures, or I'm, I'm trying, well, I haven't used them yet, but I'm trying to think of ways to use those creatures now as as the foil in this in this campaign because of course it's the it's the party that's evil and and it's the 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 employers and the patrons of the party are the evil regime so i'm i, I it's interesting i went through the um the the, the uh, monster manual for second edition and i went through uh curious to see how many actually how, how many lawful good creatures there are <laughs> um and there aren't very many lawful good creatures but but when you put together all the lawful good, neutral good, and chaotic good creatures, you actually get quite a quite a mm-hmm. big list. So I'm 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 in the process of sort of fitting these creatures in and trying to find out where they're going to be and and sort of what what part they're going to play in the in the campaign. It's actually interesting. I've never done it this way before because, of course, I've never run a, a long term evil campaign. I've run one shots, but nothing nothing massive like this. So. Uh, it, it was it was interesting to go through and um, and find all the good creatures though you know you get you get the things that you know about that are sort of the ones that are the the traditional mm-hmm. lawful good like brownies and gold dragons and say a lot um, of fairies and, and metallic dragons right yeah yeah quaddles things like dolphins the kirin the lamasu yeah. unicorns and well pegasus is actually chaotic good 
right, right. Uh, Pegasus, Pegasi, unicorns, titans, treants, all those are chaotic good. Right. Um, there aren't very many lawful good, but there's no. a ton of neutral good, which is really interesting. And you've also got all the all the sentients, right? I mean, the the elves and the, oh, yeah. and the humans that you can always. Oh yeah, yeah, you want. absolutely. Well, and that's the thing, and and there are still, you know. Creatures that are chaotic evil, they don't give a crap what the regime wants. You know, they 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 are kind of opposed to the party too because they just want they want to rule their own domain. And of course, this this regime that is gaining in power is trying to take over everyone. So it's not just that good creatures are the only ones opposing, right. you know, what's going on. There's all kinds of different. But I'm I'm trying to um, I'm trying to consciously work in more good factions sure. you know because i am imagining this is a this is the case where you know this this regime this evil god who's who's behind the scenes and pulling the strings and making all this happen he's just now to the point where he's rolling and he's almost to a critical mass you know his his sort of plan is rolling along and he's towards the critical mass and if it tips just a little bit more he's going to be able to succeed Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now is the time when all of those sort of little known lawful good creatures will come out and they're normally, you know, loners or what have you, they're now going to come out and have to say, okay, hold up. <laughs> well, and I think if you <laughs> just look, look at good, as you mentioned, there's a lot more mm-hmm. options and I think oh, yeah. you, you can make yeah. some natural factions out of that. So you can have the mm-hmm. faction of civilized good, but you can also have the faction of, uh, you know, those that represent nature Right, uh, you know, right. with the trains exactly. and the fairies and all that. Mm-hmm. You can have the the magical good led by you know a cohort of dragons or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. you could do a lot of things, interesting things with that. Sometimes it's fun to to look at campaigns and and build stories from that different direction. You know, because you you basically say, look, what are my creature options, and then it, that almost becomes like a writing prompt. You know, now right, now what exactly. can I do creatively to make that stuff make mm-hmm. sense and build my story around it. Yeah. Well, like there's the I, I'm thinking one of the things that I'm sort of I'm probably going to work in is if I remember correctly, it's the Lamassu. Mm-hmm. The Lamassu is like the lion headed mm-hmm. awful good creature. And it and it's um depends on the edition. But they're yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. They, I thought they <laughs> yeah. had human heads with like, yeah, I mean, yeah, human head, human head, lion body. That's right. Uh, they, they're lawful good. And their backstory in the second edition monster manual is something like this. Um I mean, not their backstory, but their their purpose is something like this. They come and they defend where good has been cast aside, or where where good where the good defenders of defenders of good in the universe or whatever have been defeated. Lamassu will come and try to protect that area until the good can come back. Mm-hmm. So it opposes it. So I'm thinking of using those as sort of the main foil for the the first portion of the adventure because the PCs are off going to this monastery and they're going to defeat this evil paladin. They hope they're going to defeat this evil paladin or this good paladin, evil to them. Um, And uh, and so I'm thinking that uh, the Lamassu are going to. They're either going to if if the party defeats this this good paladin. the paladin will 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 go away, but then they won't be able to inhabit that monastery because the Lamassu are going to come and protect that monastery until good can return. I think sure. so. They're going to so, be sort of a major thing. So you you inadvertently I think brought up a a question that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you know it's the good paladin, but evil to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So are they the brand of evil that think that they're the good guys? Like, do they justify what they're doing as for the greater good sort of thing? Or are they the kind of evil that just says, you know what, we're the bad guys and we're okay with that? Um, I think right now they 
have deluded themselves into thinking that they are in the right. I, I don't it's it's I don't think it's just those two options. I I I think they're somewhere in the middle because yeah. I I I this is not going to be a redemption story, right? They're not going to think that they're in the right the whole time and then at the end they're going to be like, "Oh crap, we've been working for the bad guys." Suddenly they no, want to, no, no. you know. But a lot of bad guys It's not going to be like that. A lot of bad guys are- you know, in the real world, for example, don't consider themselves mm-hmm. bad guys. Right, right, right. You know, right. I'm going to conquer the world because I'm the only one who can bring order to the chaos and fix yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah. You know, that is how I'm. That's how it's kind of set up. Okay, but I don't know how the players are. going You know, with this group, it takes two or three sessions to really get their characters to come out and see what they're actually doing. Like I have an idea and I have started it and sort of set them up as, you know, they're working for this, this guy, their patron. Um, and he's obviously not a good guy. I mean, he's a slave trader. He, their first mission was to go off on a boat and go, go raid this town and capture a bunch of, bunch of people and and bring them back as slaves. And, Mm -hmm. Um, and all that, so they know that the, you know it's not a, it's not a hidden thing that they're working for this really bad guy. Right. But the the thing is that the guy is not um, he, he's not uh, he's not a bad guy like an evil crime underlord, right? He's right. like the main guy in town, so he's, he's the not, main. And, and he's power. not enslaving people just for the joy of enslaving people. He he's right. using well, a workforce his, to accomplish something, or uh, no, he, he's he, well. He, he believes sorta. in the philosoph- philosophy he, of of this. You know, the the right. strong should rule, and, and he's, he's just living yeah. up that philosophy. And in in fact, one of the, one of the PCs, in fact, his backstory was that he was taken and was a slave, and because he was a slave to this guy, and he showed promise in whatever area, he was taught how to be. He's a half orc, so he mm-hmm. was taught how to be more civilized. And so he's become uh, this, this patron's sort of um, his, almost his museum piece as look, see if you take an uncivilized creature, mm-hmm. you can civilize it. You can teach it how to read. You can teach it manners. It, it can be in the world. And that's, that's the PC's backstory. And, you know, so he's sort of beholden to, he's owned by the, by the patron. Well, and it, it, he can also hold him up as an example to the other slaves. Look, if you work hard and do right. what I tell you, and you're as good as right. he is, you can get your freedom. Yeah. And he also, I mean, on the other hand, you know, I mean, slavery, you know, I mean, we're not talking about something that has any good in it, right? But no, no, no. It's, I'm not trying you know, to justify sells, this. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I I'm know. just asking, are they just, justifying yeah, it? Yeah. They're not justifying it. I think they're just like, they knew, we knew it was an evil campaign going in, and it's not going to be a redemption story. So there's not going to be some sort of turn where I'm trying to get them to right. admit no, 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 that no. they're actually good and all that. And they know that. Um, but I do think that the way I set it up was, you know, this guy is an evil guy, but he's not a horrible ruler. He actually ha- rules over a very prosperous area. I think it might, be, it might be interesting to ask yeah. them the question, though. Uh, you know, yes, we know we we as players know this is an evil campaign. Mm-hmm. But what do your characters think? Do your characters think they're the bad guy? And if not, why not? What are, what are, what are they justifying? Well, the characters have goals, and each character's goals relate to the evil deity in some way. Mm-hmm. And to the patron in some way. So um, I agree with you. I probably ask, but I'm going to wait for a couple of sessions yeah, because, like I said, you know, they need to let their character play out for a while. Plus, sure. I already killed one of the PCs. So <laughs> they, they might not live that long because this is a really deadly campaign. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's really interesting, actually. I, I, I'm really happy with the way it's going. Of course, it's only been one session. But you, remember, I run 12-hour sessions. Right. So, you know, it, it's more like three sessions for – 
And there you go. See, I got done just in time. Just in time. Good timing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, Mike, guess what? What? You're not next. Oh! oh. Damn. <laughs> I'm <Psych>. next. <laughs> uh, so... We kind of didn't have a game in the last one. I'm start. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start sounding like Randall here. Um, between me finishing off the school year and taking starting summer courses and everything else, uh, a lot of my Saturdays have been eaten up as I prepare for my um, study abroad in England next next month. Wow. Um, so we did get together and we ran a couple of games of Fiasco, and then we did sort of discussion about the world and character generation and that kind of stuff. Um, hmm. So we didn't actually build characters because we're doing fourth edition and only three of us at the table still have our DDI subscriptions. Um, so only three of us have access to the character builder. But we, what we did was we discussed what kind of what everybody wanted for characters. I, I wrote up a fairly lengthy player's guide, sort of here's an introduction to everything you need to know about Eberron with like two pages of character generation, you know, things to think about and, and rules or whatever to follow, guidelines. Um, and, and then it was just sort of all sitting around and talking about, okay, well, this is what I'm kind of thinking of, and this, that's what I'm thinking of. And then the, the few people with DDI accounts sort of took notes and they said, okay, I, we're all going to go back and make those characters. And then you can choose the version of the one you want. So that's it's not quite cool. pre-gens, but it's somewhere in between. Yeah, that sounds good. <clears throat> so it's going to be a 4E campaign. Is Four- it going to be... You know, how, are you planning on a certain number of sessions or a certain story? Or uh, We're doing Eyes of the Lich Queen. Oh, okay. We're, okay. It's a third cool. edition adventure that I'm yeah. – um, well, you heard my review of it when you yep. edited that yep. episode. Uh, <laughs> I was in that episode. Oh, yeah, plus you were in that episode. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So we're doing Eyes of the Lich Queen that I'm converting from third edition to fourth edition. Um, and by converting, I mean I'm mostly just going to look up the monsters as they exist in the fourth edition stats because fourth mm-hmm. edition – has already you know seventeen different lizard folks, so I don't need to do much with them. I could probably right. find one at the right level. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we're at. We did play Fiasco. Uh, I think two thirds of our group really enjoyed Fiasco. Everybody stayed for one session of Fiasco. Then we did character generation chit chat, and then we played another session of Fiasco. And two players mm-hmm. were like, "All right, well that was fun. Bye. You guys go ahead and play." <laughs> you know, <laughs> clearly their interest level wasn't real high, and I'm not super surprised because both of them are kind of my rules lawyers. Mm. You know, and mm-hmm. fiasco is not about rules. Yeah, there's like no so, rules, right? Um, but the rest of us had a good time. We did a, we did a ch- channel action six news. Okay, where we you know played the role of mm-hmm. of people in in this like second rate uh, news station that in a, in a market that's you know small and we're all falling apart and whatever. And that okay. was a good time. And then we did one um, after the other guys left. We did one that was a time travel one. Hmm. Uh, which hmm. was interesting and fun, where one of the players ended up actually playing King George the <laughs> Third. Nice. And another one needed to steal the Declaration of Independence. I think I needed to steal the Declaration <laughs> of Independence, and I was related distantly to King George the Third because I had it in my head that if we could steal the Declaration of Independence, the United States would never be formed, and if the United States is never formed, oh. then they couldn't cover up the story about the aliens. and and now we'd all know what happened at at area 51 (laughs) that was my whole motivation (laughs) and i got king george on my side because you know of course he'd like to see the americans fail as well (laughs) um but yeah so that was a good one and then we did all of our character generation stuff in between um my my character generation guidelines encourage essentials yeah um How, how so 
you get an extra feat or an extra boost to a stat. You can mm. choose um, if you choose an essentials class. And I'd say, I don't know, three-fourths of the players did. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or at least leaning in that direction. Uh, I, I was originally going to go fifth level, but I cut it to fourth, sort of on the suggestions that we had last time, because I'm trying to make things quicker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my character generation um, rules or guidelines or whatever, I also specifically talked about um, es- the escalation die concept that we're going to use. Ah, cool. Of, of course, the first question they had was, wait, does this apply to monsters too? <laughs> yeah. yes. Are you applying it to monsters? Yeah, I was going to. Isn't that okay. how it works? No, 13th no. you do not. Oh, you don't? It's, it's just to the players. Yeah, just to the players. Oh. And see, now, see, I... the thing they keep in mind is that monsters in 13th age, their defenses are higher because of that. Ah, okay. So, you know. Well, and I also talked about... It, I, would, just... I would do it to monsters too because screw them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the reason you think that, Jeff, is because when I was first talking about it, I think I had said... That I couldn't remember, but I, I think the the couple of times I ran it, I, I used it for monsters, too, because I couldn't remember. And it was just easy. Okay, the monsters get it, too. <laughs> and, I, and I played in a 13th Age game once, and you know, a very brief one at a con, mm-hmm. and, and I just didn't have that much of a recollection. It's been, you know, two, year, two years or whatever since I played. Um, and then I also outright, you know, just outright told them, look, I am going to reduce the hit points and increase the damage on monsters, so don't get on me about not playing it rules as written. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I am changing stuff. Did your rules lawyers go nutty? They were. I think they were okay with it, especially since I was upfront about it. Like that happens anyway in the one to thirty campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, I changed a lot of things on the fly as I as I saw fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't necessarily sort of an understood thing going into it because we started off as let's just do everything as written so we can get used to this new edition. Right. You know. But right. I came to the point of you know what we're not going to do that for the entire time because that's a four-year process you know it's time to grow and change and whatever right um so i think they're okay with that but most of the stuff i had in there was encouraging setting stuff it was things like if you're going to play this race consider how it fits into into eberron in this way like you know if you're going to play drow this is how what eberron drow are like they're different than you're used to Mm -hmm. if you're going to play one of these races they were designed for eberron you know consider that um you know that kind of stuff you probably won't I mean you might you might play with the instead of doing an arbit not to offer advice when you didn't ask. I'm always asking for advice. Um you, 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 if you're going to play with essentials plus monsters like Monster Vault and Monster Manual 3 mm-hmm. and Dark Sun creature catalog, you probably don't have to tweak them too much. Okay. So don't don't put an arbitrary I wouldn't put an arbitrary lower hit points increased damage until you know that that's going to be an issue. Well, I, I, speci- I, I specifically said that, but then kept it vague. Yeah, so some right. monsters so I might do. Give a, yourself a, a the lot. option yeah. of just trying because I tell you, the monsters in later in later fourth edition were designed much much better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and some of them, like in my experience, the the problem wasn't just they're not fast enough. Like the problem they solved with a lot of the monsters wasn't speed; it was balance. Yeah, right? you know, right. my concern is not balance. I want to increase speed. Yeah, cutting hit points down and increasing damage does that. Yeah, sure. So. <laughs> and, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just give yourself the option to try different things. No, I, I left it vague. Um, now, one thing I did want to talk a little bit about the adventure presents an option that I was considering doing, and the option is to create sort of an in media res intro to the adventure. Right before you tell them how the adventure happened or whatever, start with encounter one. Mm-hmm. Just throw them in. Hey, you're on this trail in the jungle. And there's an ambush by, by Emerald Claw guys, and they're attacking you. Defend yourself. Go. 
Right. Now that's done. Flashback. How did you get there? And we, then, then you could jump back to the beginning of uh, you know, the hooks and all that, leading them up to that point. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think about that. I'm, can, one, I'm, I'm debating whether or not to take that option. Can I ask a question before I yes. comment on it? When you say flashback, are you going to have them narrate stuff or are you going to actually play a couple sessions that are meant to be flashback? Uh, so it wouldn't quite be a couple sessions. So my, envision, my vision is that they would go back and play it. Okay, but it would it wouldn't be a it would be like one session. Well, not even a session. One or two encounters, and they're social encounters. They're not they're not fighting okay. combat. Okay. So it'd be jumping back and having them do some role playing that that explains how they get there. And I feel like on one hand, I like the idea of jumping in with combat and then having that mystery of them piecing it together and figuring out how they get there. Um, and of course, the concern is. Um, then it becomes a railroad, right? You know where you ended up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, yeah. on the upside, you know where you ended up in encounter one of the entire adventure, right? right. So there, it's not railroading them through the, inv- the entire thing, mm-hmm. but it's railroading them through the hook, which honestly is not necessarily a bad idea. <laughs> you know? And the hook's going to be railroaded anyway. I mean, that's what the hook is, right? right. It's like, you know. I mean, they could always choose not to You're pulling not them off the, the stage with the giant hook, right? I right. mean, that's, that's what the hook is. So I... I've done those that flashback sort of thing before, and I've never had a, a player complain that it felt railroady. Okay. Um, the the key there though is, I mean, I don't know the story. You know, I haven't read the the the, the thing that you're running mm-hmm. through, but the key is that whatever the social interactions are, they have to meet somebody that's important, and it has to make a difference for that combat. Like they have to. You know, realize, oh, this person set us up, or oh, that per- person's the one they were talking about that's behind this ambush we just suffered, or whatever it is. It can't just be like, oh, here's this combat so we can start in media res, and then, oh, let's do a flashback, but now they're seemingly talking to people and doing things that have nothing to do with anything. You know, it has to be really clear what the connection is. Hmm. That's interesting, as I'm thinking about it, because I don't know. So they're, they're hired by a dragon in human form. That's how the, mm-hmm. the story begins, right. or or brought in, and or whatever, right? They're 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 given the the adventure to go off and seek this MacGuffin by a dragon in disguise who thinks this this thing that he wants the um, this artifact um, is connected to the draconic prophecy, and he's of a of a particular faction of dragons that are actually trying to manipulate the draconic prophecy, which is usually mm-hmm. a no no, but that's what right. they do. Um, Meanwhile, the people who ambush them are Emerald Claw, which are associated with the blood of Vol, which is an evil lich queen goddess thing, mm-hmm. um, who also want the thing. I don't remember if he specifically tips them off that these people would be interested in it. I because th- I think both sort of are establishing scenes. Like the, mm-hmm. the you know the the role playing encounter with the dragon is establishing what is the, what are we doing here. And then the first encounter with the Emerald Claw is establishing, oh, and here's one of your villains because these are going to be the people going after you. Yeah. I mean, I think if it's just like one session, it'll be fine Mm -hmm. regardless of how it, you know, you're just flipping it on its head and doing the combat first rather than having a bunch of talk and then leading up to the combat. I mean, if it was a, you know, very structured thing that's going to have to take place a certain way over three different 
sessions, it might be more of a problem, but I, I don't think you're going to have a problem with it. The way, the way that you're describing the story and how that's going to happen, I mean, they don't know they're talking to a dragon in human form. They just think they're talking to an NPC. I mean, right? they may or so, may not, depending on what they, what, you know, how things go. Uh, sure. But, you know, but it, it, from the start, they don't know right when they walk into the room necessarily. They're going to have to do some skill checks or whatever. Right. So, you know, yeah, I, I, it's probably fine. Yeah, I I I, I kind of like. I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting ways that you can use flashbacks and flash forwards, and I think that um, if you're planning to stick relatively closely to the adventure, I think mm-hmm. I think that that's a fine way to go. And it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting way to start. I mean, it's so you know, starting an interesting campaign is always hard to do anyway without falling back mm-hmm. to the common things, and this right. is kind of an interesting one. So, and and right. I'm kind of wondering if the fact that the last several sessions we played have been more story game focused, you know, fiasco. And then before that fate, which isn't exactly a story game, but it's a lot closer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I wonder if that won't help guide them into this process. You know, um, they'll have that experience of, Oh, we can make up the story. You know, now here's an encounter. Okay. Make up the story. How did we get there? Right. You know? So I'm wondering, so how- I'm hoping that I've primed them for that, but I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, they could also go the other way and say, oh, well, we thought we were doing this now, not story games, you know, so. Well, how, mm-hmm. how closely are you sticking to the story of the, of the published work? Uh, pretty much as, as printed is the plan. Because I'm, so pl- that- I'm, not, I'm not fitting this, this adventure into a larger campaign. The adventure is the campaign and then we're done, so. Yeah, but that's what I mean, like, so, so they already, I mean, set the, the players know that that's, that's what's happening, right? So. Yeah, more I or don't, less. I mean, I, I, I always I tweak a few things here and there to tie yeah. it to the characters, but... I'm just saying I don't feel... I, I, I guess my thought of that is if railroading is a concern, well, you know, you're running a published module, so... <laughs> so you're going to follow... I mean, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you're yeah, already you're, you're railroading. Gonna, you're gonna feel, yeah, you're going to feel a little railroaded sure. no matter what. And as long as everybody's buying into that and everybody knows and that's the expectations, sure. then I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think the fact that they're starting in media res is going to be totally awesome because they know they're, you know, doing a... A module, and now there's a flashback. Whoa, you know that's going to be great. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll be curious to see how it goes. I know the um, I, I know one of the guys who helped work on the on the module, um, and this mm-hmm. totally sounds like the kind of thing that he would be all about is throwing in these these little I don't know if you want to call them gimmicks or whatever to to help hook players and, and infuse more of that story. So, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Nicholas Logue, but he's been on the sh- he used to be on the show on a fairly yeah. regular basis. Mm-hmm. So. All sounds right, cool. well, I'd play. That's all I yeah. got, and I got yeah. 42 seconds left. Should we sing a wow. song? Uh, what no. What song? <laughs> Pass. Well, in that case, I will use my remaining 33 seconds to let people uh, remind people that if they want to support the show, go over to thetomeshow.com and click on the Amazon or D&D Classics links. Uh, we get a small percentage of anything you buy after you click on those links, uh, and that you know, helps us do our thing. I, I spread the Amazon money out amongst all of our contributors and editors and, and whatever, so everybody you know gets a little something. To help so, them. Jeff, do you still look at what gets bought from that? I do on occasion. I don't do it like because my wife has taken to ordering strange things from Amazon just to see if just you'll to see if I notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I'll look it up while Mike talks. <laughs> but that's the end of my time. Mike, you're up. Go. I'm running a 13th Age campaign. I've run it relatively open-ended. This is a campaign set in Moonwreck, which is the upper northwestern area of the world in which a devastating uh, magical event has caused devastation to the land. Uh, and uh, the party got involved in all sorts of shenanigans. And 
most recently, the party decided to head to an area known as Everburn, which is an area where the um, the destruction of Moonwreck has gone so deep as to open up a rift into hell. And when they got closer to it, I started to think about our previous discussions here and thought, you know, I bet that the return to the Temple of Elemental Evil might be a good seed adventure to use. Mm-hmm. I picked up the PDF, uh, I read it, I liked it a lot, and then realized, you know, I'm just not going to run 200 rooms worth of stuff, you know, for this. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I sort of, I like the, I like the shape, you know, I, I like the idea of this, this large um, uh, crater that's filled with, you know, hellish lava and, and terrible things, which with is, bridges which that is, all lead not, to the but... center. What's that? What lava are you talking about? It was all water, I think, in the original. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So, but in my mind, I'm going to replace all that water with hellish lava. Okay, that's sure. Where, that's where I put it. Good enough. And uh, that in the center was this big thing known as the Black Spike. And in mine, they have these sort of dark obelisks that they're hunting down. And the obelisks are, are uh, malevolent entities of dark matter that are both rifts to other worlds and prisons used by the now extinct race of moon elves. Uh, to imprison their most dangerous foes that they couldn't uh, kill or otherwise get rid of. Um, so I've I've had a, like a lot of different sort of plot seeds going on. I've had a a group of demons known as the Triumvirate of Blood. Uh, they released the first, which is a powerful Glabrizo. Um, they they had a choice of like, do you want to bury this obelisk that you found, or do you want to try to open it or destroy it? And they said we want to destroy it. One of our characters had the key. He was, his one unique thing is he holds a secret key that no one else is supposed to have, mm-hmm. like an old artifact. And it turns out that artifact is a key to open these obelisks and will destroy them, thus getting rid of the malevolence, but also releases whatever was inside. And he released a Glabrizo. The Glabrizo came back later and almost killed him and took the key and then released his two partners, a Marilith and a Balor, and that are you know that complete the triumvirate of blood. Mm-hmm. The three demons all went off to the dark elves and you know took kind of took over the local dark elf contingency and uh they all are you know all of these different factions dark elves and dragons and uh undead are all heading and a a cult known as the cult of the dark are all heading to that crater because they all want to go to the final obelisk and either you know do something with it some of them want to channel energy off of it some of them want to bury it and get rid of it forever some of them want to open it you know and the party gets gets to decide well which one do you want to do right i don't know which one they're going to do but the 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 center goal is that um my last game was one of you know didn't seem to click for me i had six players at the table i had one sub uh that came in he's a great guy he's been a regular for a while and is and is kind of taking time off and, and is subbing in but for some reason, and I think it was a, a bunch of different things all at, at the same time, kind of made the game not exactly the same pace or, or general interest of the previous games that I ran. So, you know, it was fine. For, like nobody, for you or for the players or both? For the, well, I think for the players. And, and in, an interview, you know, in talking to the players afterwards, kind of one-on-one, mm-hmm. they, you know, I got general agreement okay. about it. And, you know, and it wasn't like they were disappointed. They didn't think it sucked. Um, I think I have one guy and he's kind of a power gamer uh, who was like, look, you know, you put this huge lich in the battle. Like, you know, I, I, I based the adventure on the icon roll, so I didn't know what they were going to face. And they rolled high on Lich King. So I said, OK, I think one of the big, powerful liches of that, that is part of the undead are going to is going to attack. 
So he attacked with a couple of summoned Hezros, and I balanced the encounter based on the, the book, including figuring that there were six players. And they still just destroyed him, like, really fast. Um, and they're level 6 in 13th Age, which is kind of the equivalent of, like, level 15 or 16 in 4th Edition. Okay. Um, so they're pretty powerful. And, yeah, they just do, like, hundreds and hundreds of points of damage. So they were destroying the Hezros and the Lich pretty quickly. And, you know, so from a combat perspective, they're like, wow, that was a lot of buildup for not a lot of threat. Like, <laughs> none of us really got hurt, and he was kind of a wimp, and, you know... Um, and I had some kind of interesting scenes going on. They got to kind of like in one view see the entire war going on. So like they're standing there at this giant area where the wall is blown out and they're seeing like the demons fighting the dragons and they're seeing an undead city crash down nearby and they're seeing the cultists of the dark channeling energy out of the obelisk in the center of the lava. So they're seeing like all of the things they're going to have to deal with over the next how many sessions hmm. at once. Uh, and then they get to kind of decide, do you want to go after the demons? Do you want to go after the dragons? Do you want to go after the undead? Do you want to go after the cult? Which way do you want to go? Um, so in talking to Michelle, one of the things she said was, well, we're not really sure what the hell we're doing here. Right? Like, we don't really know what, why we even care about the obelisk. Like, it seems like it's sitting there, and it's sat there for hundreds of years, and there's a bunch of people fighting about it. Why are we there? And we're only picking our choices because it sounds cool. So they're like, yeah, where do you want to go? And they say, oh, I want to go to the Altar of Sorrow. That sounds cool. Right. right. You know, but they're not going to the Altar of Sorrow because there's actually something there they care about. There's one path where the guy's like, well, my arch enemy, Morgos, is the head of the undead in the area. And he's at that undead city. So I want to go there and kick his ass. Hmm. Now, unfortunately, the guy who had that plot line, uh, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately for him, he had twins. Uh, Un- unfortunately nice. for the game that that thus ends his vendetta Sword against morgos mm-hmm. um but that's fine you know like i can work off of other ones but i realized like that there's not really a clear plot now something somebody he i actually asked him he sent he sent me an email and i said you know i did, didn't feel like it clicked what do you think and he said well you know i think that with six players it's just really hard to keep everyone's attention even at 13th age mm-hmm. you know that combat still takes a while turns still take a while and people are going to go off on their phone and they're going to have conversations about other stuff and you know so on and so forth. So, um, so I can fix some of this. First of all, I don't think I'm going to ha- often have six players at the table, mm-hmm. and also I'm going to give them pretty clear direction on, you know, not spelling out the whole thing to them, but giving them a pretty clear direction. This is where you're. What are the more go. What are the more dominant threats at the moment? Yeah, right. Like you, you really want to do something about this obelisk. And by the way, the patrons who put you in this place, they want you to do something about the obelisk. You know what's worked really well as when I've been a player in a situation like that that uh-huh. that, that really got our whole group hooked, and, and you didn't need the individual sort of hooks. You could do a whole group hook. Mm-hmm. Was was the vendetta? Yeah, you know, some villain from one of the factions shows up, or you get caught up in the middle of a battle, and that guy just really pisses you off, and then he gets away. <laughs> yeah, now right. you've got somebody to go after. You know, well, that guy's going the down. Right, the Glabrazo's kind of one of those guys, right? right? Like they hate. I mean, he totally he was invisible, snuck up on a rogue when a rogue was being sneaky, and hit him so hard with a claw that it dropped him in a single shot, and oh. almost killed him. <laughs> you know, and then took his his one unique thing and ran off with it. And has since released two other demons. So they they kind of don't like him. Morgos was a good guy that they were like, ooh, I want to go after that Morgos fella. Mm-hmm. But they don't, yeah, they don't, they don't have a lot of villains. Because at that point, the, I mean, each faction has, has at least, you know, a person yeah. in charge and a, and a yeah, lieutenant yeah. or a general and or whatever. Actually, yeah, I could tell you who's in charge of all of them, but I don't know that the players could. <laughs> right, sure. Like, but I've got, 
I've but, got giant detailed hierarchical charts. Of, but if that guy sends a master assassin after him that yeah. screws him over and then runs away saying, aha, Hedrak wins again, you know? And that then, actually, yeah, so that worked well with Baron, I think her name was Baroness Alexa, who was one of the liches. And they fought her twice, and they were just like, I'm tired of that. You know, I'm tired of her. Mm-hmm. I want to get rid of her. And they actually went and sidetracked and went and found her phylacrity and destroyed it. <laughs> you know, like, and, but, and there was but a not side. Her. What's that? But not her. She's still but, around. No, they killed her. Oh, okay. She was, she was, they had just killed her. So she was in the process of regenerating, and they only had a couple days to go stop her. And they found her phylactery while she was regenerating and destroyed it and killed her. Mm. And that was fun. You know, it was fun for all of us. It was, it was a total side plot. I only based it on the fact that, like, during their narrative of what had happened last week, which is always a good way for me to tell what people are, care about, mm-hmm. uh, they mentioned the fact that, oh, yeah, that bitch came back again and we want to kill her. Yeah. So, and but, but, hey, but what, new adventure. What you do, though, is when you have stuff like that, don't make it a side plot. Like, fine. Right. That's, that's fine. Plot. But she hid her phylactery in the altar in yeah, the fire sure. temple. So you got to go through those guys to get it. <laughs> And but at that point, I didn't have a main plot, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, I'm that was the main plot because right. I, didn't, I didn't. It's not like I had much else. So I, th- I think that, and I, I had another player who's like, "Why don't you just railroad us? Like, just stop. You know, like we don't want to make all these choices. We don't want to have all these paths." Well, like, and you're not, you're not not. Rare, I mean, you're not not railroading them. You're giving. You're saying, "Here's four choices. Which one?" Like, well, right? You, but, but you I, still I, know I, the I, path. You're not, <laughs> not being sarcastic. Like, right? No, no, no. I get guy, it. This guy really wants to just go to point A to point just Z. Tell me what to kill. Tell me what to kill. Like, I like the stories. You do a great, you know, this is his words, right? You do a great job telling the stories, and they're really interesting. And I love the fights, but I don't want to have to worry about, oh, well, you know. And did it's funny. We pick, did we pick the right one? He gave us four yeah. options. Well, yeah. right, and I'm like, look, there is no right one because I don't have anything, right? Like, you know, you, you, you pick an option. That's the reaction I develop. So, you know. And, and, right. and I think it was funny. I ran a Fate game recently. Uh, oh, I'm running uh, Dragon Spear Castle, which you guys all love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, one thing I did is I combined Dragon Spear Castle with a lot of the adventures in the next adventure, the next D&D next adventure. What was it called? Didn't they? No, the one before that. Scourge uh, of the Scourge. 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 So they're all interrelated, right? So I mashed them all together, figuring that, like, they'll have paths. And at one point, like I said, you know, you have a choice. You can go to this place, this place, or this place. And one of the players is like, you know... You know, I always thought I'd love sandbox adventures where I got a choice, and now I really don't want to make one. Hmm. And and I was like, well, that you know, and we were laughing about that. Like she's like, I always thought I'd love this kind, and now I'm just worried. And I said, if it's any help, those stories are going to keep going on whether you go there or not. She's like, that doesn't help at all. No, like, she's yeah. like, I want, I want, you know, like that's interesting had, because that's I the exact that kind of story I enjoy. With my, I had that same problem with my group recently, and I I went from doing them total sandbox to putting them into Dragon Spear Castle, but making it more of a railroad. They right. only have a couple of things going on that they have to worry about because i had the same problem they they thought that they would love sandbox and so when we said right. when we started the D next game you know we started the play test and it was like okay total sandbox and it was really interesting for a couple of sessions because they could do anything and then it just became well we don't even know what direction to go there's like seven different things that we care about and i don't know what to do mm-hmm. and, yeah, and i think part of the trick is is make sure to keep it Keep the options small, right? You, yeah. you presented so with a four, three or four. Never go more than three or four. Yeah, and I, right, I, right. I, I've always had this philosophy of around three plus infinite. So, like, there's mm-hmm. three main options that are really clear to you, and then if you guys can come up with other stuff, that's fine too. 
you yeah. know, but, but there are these three paths and the problem is like, they keep stacking up. So it's like three directions and then three directions and then three directions. Right. And like, and I'm that, just yeah, like, no, 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 tired. Like I, just make one. I would, yeah, I would say, give them, give them, you know, here's your three directions. Right. Okay. You picked one now. Well, let's railroad through that's that one. Going. Yeah. And that's no. kind of what I'm going to do with this. They decided Everburn is where they're going. And I said, that means that all of those other places you could have gone, the whole storyline with the, frost, the, the the cold iron citadel, the whole thing with the dark elf city of dark spire, that gets whole, resolved that's all by gone. someone else. Right. Well, yeah. and I yeah. don't know that it gets resolved, but I, yeah. but move move the there. timeline forward on it. Yeah, right. Things happen there. I, I like a no story. Matters to you. I like a story where there are natural consequences to those things too. Yeah. Okay, you didn't go there. Yeah. That's perfectly okay. And I, I they're had, gonna they're gonna advance their their plot. And, and, and what's funny is, like, I, I would say things like, so I had this whole thing about, like, there is a moon elf who's left. He's a prince. He's been grown up by a bunch of nomads. He actually went to the Frost Giants' uh, Cold Iron Citadel, faced their king, and killed him in single combat. And that whole plot line from the time that he left the village to the time he went and killed him and now took over for the, as the leader of all of these goblinoid and gnolls and frost giants and ogres and stuff, all of that the players could have been involved at any point during that story, but they never went there. Mm-hmm. So all they did was hear about it. And they heard like, oh yeah, there's this giant army building up on the, on the Northern side of the area. You know, well, that as far as I can tell, they're never, that Northern army is never actually going to show up. I mean, maybe they will, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it, I it's think the same thing fine. with the release of the demons, right? They never went to the drow, which meant that the drow and the demons all got together and they all worked on their plot. Well, now they're going to have to face them because mm-hmm. the drow are there. Which, but now, which, which works because they're also higher level and more powerful by the time they get around yes. to those stories. Yeah. And I think it works out. Fine. I mean, and, and maybe it's because I've been mostly doing story games and stuff lately, right? But but I feel like that's just adding the complications and the obstacles right. that make the story interesting. So it's okay if you make a choice and there are consequences for consequences for that because. That's what makes story, right. you know. And they did, yeah, none of them. They never got screwed. Like they never got. Uh, you know, oh wow! You know, we really should have done X. I don't ever want them to feel like they they should have picked one of those other options, right? That they always have paths, unless they make a mis- a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so I don't know. I, I'm it's going to be interesting. Tomorrow I've got a game. I I was out of town last week, so I have had hardly any prep. I'm actually going to do I think a fair bit of theater of the mind battles in Thirteenth mm-hmm. Age, which will be interesting. And the funny thing is, I'm actually going to have a Lamatsu. I think they're Lamatsu. Lamatsu. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, one uh, in Thirteenth yeah. Age called the Demonic Lamatsu, which is like a possessed yeah. one. And in mine, it's perfect because he's been possessed by the dark. So the that entity that lives in these crystals has kind of corrupted everything. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be you know bronze. They have bronze golems and a Lamatsu. And uh, I, and I want to I want to point out as much as I'm talking about how much I enjoy um, stories where there's natural consequences. I have been burned. <laughs> by my players on that as well, so I may be so, expressing a personal opinion that also has been an issue at my table. <laughs> so, what, yeah. what was the issue? Well, where I where they've gone off and done one thing and ignored another thing, and they've come back mm-hmm. to that thing and realized that oh, well, now there's been you know something's happened, right? Like yeah. uh, in my in my one to thirty campaign where they went off and were were away from their ship for so long and then came back and were shocked to find that their ship had been overrun, and yeah, they, and they had to fight to take it back. Well, you ignored it for two yeah. months, right? You know, right. and that, that seems like a natural consequence to me. But sure. I, I, I had some of them who were, came back with that didn't seem fair. Like we didn't ignore it; we were off doing this other stuff. Yeah, and that's fine. You're off doing other stuff. Yeah. I'm sometimes off doing other stuff too in my job, and meanwhile, a kid's <laughs> another kid. You know, well, <laughs> right. But, and, and the funny thing is, and it's always a balance. Like you always want them to feel like that you're not you're not punishing them, 
Right. Right. Well, right. Exactly. Like, right. This is this they, is the evolution of the of the tale, and sometimes that's hard. Right. right. Sometimes. They, see, they mm-hmm. felt they felt punished, and I just right. felt like. Yeah. It was just it was just an interesting complication to help tell the story, yeah. you know. And I actually like I know you know not and and I know my time's up, but you you talk about so yeah. And, and we got, we, I mean we still <laughs> got a, we still got fourteen minutes before we had an hour, so <laughs> so they um that whole thing about stealing the guy's one unique thing like that for me is typically a big no no. Like if somebody says I've got this thing and that's what I'm centered on, you don't go be an asshole and go take it. The only problem is. Like I realized, I don't really have a choice because we found, we know that that thing is a key to open up the crystals and release these things, uh-huh. and they used it and released a demon. And he has two partners that are trapped, and the only way to get him out is to get that, that thing. thing. So I was like, all he's going to do is do it. Now I did say, like, if the guy, if if the player has a way to protect it, if they come up with a way to realize, oh my god, you know, and they stop him. I'll, you know, he'll figure something else out. Like I also realize that there is a way to open up the crystals another way, and it's that it's by sacrificing people. Sure. So the demon's not going to have any problem doing that, right? He'll go enslave an entire group of nomads and and sacrifice them until the crystal opens. So he'll he'll do that. But better is get the device. Well, luckily, when I did that whole situation, the player and the players did not feel like, oh, you just screwed us, right? Like you, you know, you're just being a dick. You know, they were like, wow, that hurts. You know, like, oh. Now I want that, you know, now I'm mad and I want that right. thing back. So that, it, it, it was really, that was tricky. That worked, and and, and that sounds like you, you wove that well. Well, yeah, but it, they very easily could have taken, and the one thing is it's a MacGuffin anyway. Like they don't, it's not like I took the guy's sword away. Right. You know, it's this thing that he's got and he doesn't use it for anything else other than opening up those things. So it's not like his capability got lowered. Right. And that, and that, I think, helped. And also, I mean, like, the, the Glabrizo crit on his one big hit and did, like, 90 damage in a single shot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were like, wow, you can't plan a crit. <laughs> you know, like, I guess I can't, I can't argue that. And I rolled, op- op- you know, dice in the open, so they knew exactly what had happened. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I just, I just think that's a great way of making it clear to that, that player actions matter. You know, yeah, and when right. and when they feel like player actions matter, when they feel like their actions matter, then players should invest more in the story. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and I'm and I'm enjoying having these kind of ongoing storylines. But then there's also part of me where it's like sometimes I'm leaving blanks that shouldn't be blank. Like I just I don't like I kept thinking like why the hell does the cult of the dark even care? Like what are they doing? Right? Like why does this matter to them other than they're you know a bunch of dudes in the way? And this this is your replacement for the 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 elder elemental eye. Yeah, right. So, I, well, oh, I, I didn't really mention. So, one of the things I did was I had originally started with uh, Temple Return of the Temple of Element and Evil, and other than the fact that it's a giant circle with a thing in the center, I threw everything else out. <laughs> okay. And I and I sat down and I drew out a map, and then I drew out like nine cool sounding places, like the Altar of Sorrow mm-hmm. and Morgos's, you know, Mor- Morgos's Necropolis, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know the the, the sunken pyramid and. The, you know, I think I have like the cliff of acidic rain and it's all these like weird names that I just came up with on the, you know, out of my ass. And mm-hmm. I said, these sound cool. And then drew little pictures of them. And then when the players saw them, I mean, literally Michelle was like, altar of sorrow. That sounds cool. Mm-hmm. That we're might actually there. be a place in the original too. <laughs> I don't even, well, I don't think, yeah, I think there were like pictures. Like, you know, I used it as inspiration with pictures and stuff. But then I was like, okay, so what's that going to be like? And then I have this, you know, image of these, it's this former moon elven temple and it's got these statues of like female moon elves kind of praying, but now they've been taken by the dark. So they have these black, 
streams coming out of their eyes, you mm. know, and all kinds of creepy stuff that's going on there. And yeah. yeah, but you don't have a plot for those for those cultists, like why they're there. I, I do. There, there, there aren't an Armageddon cult. I, oh, so it's which is which is similar to right. what the original cult was, right? Kinda, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna release Theras then, and, and Theras is gonna wipe out everything. I think I figured out because I asked Michelle. I didn't really have a good hook for Michelle's character, so I started talking about. It. One of her things is her character is a scientist. Right, her character believes in science and doesn't believe in magic. So she thinks magic is a bunch of bullshit. And what's Even great, though she about, sees it. Well, that right. So she just, you know, she just, she's a denialist when it comes to that. Right. She, but what's funny is the world is flat, and it really is flat, and there really is magic. So she's like the equivalent of a of a lunatic in that game. Like everyone else is like, you're an idiot, right? There is magic all over. But she's like, no, I'm a scientist. Well. Her teacher was also a scientist and is so convinced that the illogic of the world they live in is, is, is contradictory to science that he wants to wipe it clean. He wants to destroy <laughs> it completely. And by doing that, he wants to invoke the power of whatever is in this obelisk to say, like, inside there is the key to science and we're going to take it out and get rid of all this flat world crap. Right. So that's kind of their motivation. And it's good because it hooks into her. And then Mm -hmm. she, you know, they actually have an argument that she could sympathize with, which is look around you. It's completely stupid world we live in. Right. It's flat and people cast spells with their fingertips. And, you know, that's just stupid. Like that shouldn't exist. You know, (laughs) how does that make any sense at all? It doesn't. And the answer is get rid of this nutty place. Right. And she might go, I don't know. That might be a bad idea. So actually, there's there's another secret about what is imprisoned. I had originally said that the the pit fiend, uh, Varric the pit fiend, is what was trapped in the center obelisk, but it's not Varric. It's something else. And anybody who is steeped in thirteenth age lore knows that there is a there is something that is uh, hidden, a, a creature that is buried, and it is that creature that's in that obelisk. And they're just now starting to get hints of what might be in there. And then they have to decide, do we want to release that? Do we want to destroy it? Do we want to bury it? What do we do? So there's still, a, you know, even though there's like this railroad, go to the middle, solve the thing in the center, they at the end are going to have to make a choice of what they want to do with it. Cool. So that'd be fun. All right. I love 13th Age, by the way. I still love this system. I'm looking, f- I'm looking forward to next. I can't wait for it to be published. Um, yeah, I've already okay. sold apparently several copies of the Player's Handbook and the Monster Manual and the DMs. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Nice. I think for me, I think I bought all that stuff. I've got two, three sales of each. Yeah, so one of those is mine because I ordered all. Um, and um, um, but I yeah, see. to me, to me, Thirteenth Age is the spiritual successor to Forey. Okay. Yeah. I I also have a, a good thirty-four fluid ounce bottle of uh, lubricant. Yikes! <laughs> I don't know which of your uh, wives is in, is re- responsible for that. I'm not. Sh- I don't think my wife is <laughs> getting lucky. <laughs> you you told me to look at the let's see what, what the more unusual things were. <clears throat> so, I got a, a rigger's belt. I don't even know what that is. That might be mine. What's a rigger's belt? It's a it's like a web belt. I bought it for my my crazy hiking pants. Is it coyote tan? Yes. Okay, that's that might be you. It has like a little ring. The problem is it's, it's way too over-engineered for what I needed. <laughs> like I really didn't need all that crap. I really just wanted a web belt. Well, there you go. <laughs> a memory foam classic pillow. How is that in the same category as Pathfinder Adventure Card Game? Well, that, those are both me. 
Those are both you? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Mike. You bought two pillows? Or yeah. somebody else bought one too? Oh, okay. Their pillows are very comfortable. Well, good. I, I always love looking through and seeing the weird stuff that people order through my site. And it seems that most of them are from you. Mm. <laughs> and somebody bought a lot of Disney, which is cool. That wasn't me. Several DVDs, some books. We've got some Disney uh, viewers out there. Anyway, we're clearly uh, not done with the episode, aren't we? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> so, anybody have any last things to say? Although, Disney can be a great source of uh fodder for you know inspiration mm-hmm. um sometimes their their caricatures of the evil people in their stories are very very oh. useful yeah i can see that somebody bought a dress on my site very good so, somebody's clearly doing some gardening because i see uh two sage garden broadleaf uh potting soil garden soil all together there. Mm. I, think, I think somebody's planting some sage. Mm. So it's that time. All right. We're done. We're gonna, <laughs> not going to bore you with the things that people are buying and risking upsetting those people by, by you know making them think that we're insulting them. for their Yeah, orders. you're going to lose their – you yeah. embarrass them too much. You're going to lose their – Well, so far all of them have been you, so. <laughs> <laughs> I do have you, uh, my bookmark. Yep. When I click on Amazon, it's, it's so your... That, uh, see that? That's what everybody should do. You click on our link and then just bookmark it, and then every time right. you go there, that, right. you'll end up there. I use it, that's where it goes. Yep. yep. That's what I do. Yep. My, uh, my Amazon bookmark is Mike. Great. So now I clicked on like some of the referrals that were in mine, and now those are the things recommended to me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> not, this is not helpful. There you go. All right. We're done. Say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. Goodbye, guys. <laughs>